Well, welcome to our session about the uh, Portal um, version 6. This is what, like, a what's new in Portal 6. I will have to explain a little bit for you as to what was in Portal 5 um, for you to, to understand this as well. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead with that as well. So Portal 6 is uh, the very latest version of IBM Portal. It's uh, many generations of development and some very exciting features that uh, we want to sh share with you today. When they have done the upgrade for to Portal 6, there's basically really three themes behind the entire development. First of all, as you can see, to improve efficiency. That's from the user perspective. But um, we also wanted, well, IBM wanted to accelerate the process of creating applications and deploying content and um, provide more resilience with the entire platform and reliability and also to try to reduce cost. With uh, previous versions of Portal 6, po um, Portal, sorry, previous versions of Portal, uh, po Portal itself was an application running on WebSphere application server. So just like Word runs on Windows, Portal ran on WebSphere application server, which is the runtime environment. And uh, Portal is quite a large program. And so the, uh, the Java runtime engine, the Java uh, engine supported by WebSphere application server that was used by Portal Server was quite strained because there's so much going on. So um, a lot of work has been done in moving some of the functionality of Portal into the WebSphere application server itself, which means it's much, much better uh, for resilience, but also for scalability and performance. So we'll talk about that towards the end of our presentation today. So this is a, um, a little a mock-up. This is only a, a couple of slides, but we'll show you the real thing in a moment of the interface now provided by a portal. And what you'll find is that there are many features now provided in the browser that you might have assumed could only really be done in a rich client, like a, a Windows application. And so uh, a lot of the things that you'll see have bought the type of functionality that users are, are, are used to and brought them into the browser interface. Because bear in mind, what we're looking at is a browser and not a rich client. So, for example, uh, there are a completed, completely updated what we call um, themes and skins. Now, if you've not uh, come across this term before, a theme is effectively the layout of the overall page of a portal. At the top there, you'll see uh, we've got some tabs, home, work center, career and life, getting started. Well, they're like four tabs running across, across the top of the application. We actually call these portal pages. And on top of each portal page, as you click across, are shown various things on the screen that you're looking at, each one of which is normally a rectangular block of information which is normally provided to you by what we call a portlet. So we have portlets placed on portal screen or portal pages. Now, the look and feel of the portal page is handled by the theme, but the surrounding graphics around any one portlet is handled by our skin. And that's the difference between the two. And we can now use multiple themes um, across what we call virtual portal, port, portals. And this allows us to create, have one physical server, 
but go into the server in different ways, and it looks like a totally different uh, website in its entirety. So um, brand, a lot of work has been done on the, uh, the themes and skins to um, provide a lot more usability, as you'll see in a few seconds. One of the things um, we've got is like drop-down menus. So these are context-sensitive, and they also show um, portal pages. So the portal, as you add and remove pages, it will add and remove things from our drop-down uh, menus. It's, you could almost think of it as a sort of navigator that just pops up as, as and when you need it. Because the portal pages can be secured, it acts as a sort of dynamic personalized menu at the same time. So you have very personalized navigation based around the security you can apply to portal pages. Another thing that we can now do is um, install new portlets onto pages. Previously, that was an administrative job. If you wanted to see a new application on a portal page, the administrator had to edit the page. Typically, the administrator would edit the page and place the portlet on the page. There was a facility to allow users to do it as well, but the interface um, was the same as the administrative interface. And if you're not used to the administrative interface, then it could be pretty user-unfriendly to, to do that uh, on your own. However, now it's much easier because by just one click, out will, out will sort of... Uh, come the, uh, the portlet selector, as you can see this palette on the left, on the right hand side as we look at it. And from there we can drag any one of these, could be full blown applications, onto the page and it installs the portlet on that page for that particular user. So they've got the drag and drop from a, from a palette, so they can really choose whatever bits they want. Of course you can also tie down whether or not they're allowed to do it, which portlets they're visible, um, and there's plenty of other security uh, aspects as well, but extremely user-friendly. That's the. In addition, the slide-out palette can be used for lots of other things. In this case, um, we're just showing an instant message buddy list. And uh, if we look again, th that could be used uh, for help and support. Of course, it's acting as an overlay window, so we can get rid of that as well. Now, at the bottom, you'll also see we have like a footer just like the status bar in uh, Microsoft Internet Explorer, or in fact most applications have a status bar at the bottom, this status bar affects the portal, but is held within the, within the HTML itself. So it's a fast track um, pointers to various places on the, on the portal. We also have an automatic sitemap. Now what this will give us is all the portal pages that, that have been defined that you have access to will now be displayed in a sort of hierarchy. But bear in mind what we'll be looking at is the portal pages, not necessarily the portlets on those pages. As we've just said, users can drag and drop potentially portlets onto pages. But this will give us a, a, a good view of our, of our hierarchy. So we thought that at this point it might be useful just for you to see a real live version of this. It has a slightly different um, look and feel, but uh, the features are there. So John is going to... Um, help us out just by showing you some of the features of a real-life Portal 6. Okay. This particular portal is sitting on a server which is back in Marcus's home office in somewhere in deepest Swindon. Um, so we're actually accessing it over the Open University's wireless connectivity. And I think you'll see, touch wood, that it's actually quite fast. So from a user's point of view, 
they would typically come in, they'd be prompted with a username and password login box, and indeed up here they can log out when they're finished the session. So this would be an example of a, a typical front page that they would see. Obviously you'd edit this to look like your department or your university, your company, whatever. So here we've got a launch bar, which gives us direct access to various things that the users would need in their day-to-day -day job. Now, this particular portal is hooked up to a Domino server, which it uses for email and directory. Now, it doesn't require Domino in any shape or form. You could hook this up to uh, something running uh, an LDAP directory and uh, a GroupWise email or Exchange email. Portal doesn't really care in that respect, but obviously it runs really well with Domino. So here I've got a little bit of Domino integration. Some of the things you can hook up here can be, uh, it could be a SQL Server, it could be DB2, it could be Oracle applications, it could be SAP applications. Come on, you can do it. Ah, here we are. Um, if I go to my work, here I'm actually logged directly into Marcus's mail file. Um, I believe it is a live one, so uh, I'll just be careful what I open. Um, hopefully nothing from his wife. Uh, on the right-hand right side here, we've got a same-time contact list. So in Emphasis, they've got uh, a load of same-time instant messaging software, which hooks directly into the portal. So all these people who are shown in green are actually logged into the system, and I could start to chat with them quite easily. Ian is not online. That's because he's uh, well, he was sitting at the back earlier. So if I wanted to, I could uh, grab an individual there and start an instant messaging chat session, which is actually fully encrypted, unlike uh, some of the public ones, which are just clear text going down the wire. And indeed, in the email here, I also get to see if someone's online and uh, available. So if I look further on through, I'm able to hook into things which are relevant to me as an individual and here relevant to the teams that I work in. So you can actually start to get a bit of context around what the user actually does during the day-to-day -day job. If I take this through some other areas of the portal, I'll go back to the home page. <clears throat> um, just like to point out how easy it is to actually put applications onto the portal. Now, this slide-out area is called the Portlet Palette. So these are little applications, sometimes quite extensive applications, that your developers will have created, possibly as uh, WebSphere portlets, possibly as uh, open standard JSR168 portlets. And um, once they're deployed to the server, as a user, I can grab them and dump them to a, a suitable area on the user's desktop. So that's placed onto the server and allows me to get in and actually, in this case, look at uh, well, share prices for an individual company. So I can get in and add other symbols. So it could be, in our case, for IBM or various competitors. So I can actually sit, track to see how their share prices are going. Obviously, in a certain scenarios, you know, your users aren't going to want that. 
but you know, there's a lot of uh, different studying going on in universities. You're not necessarily going to need share prices, but there's 101 different possibilities of portlets you can deploy, including, as one, one pertinent example, as POP3 access. Because although you may actually provide a mail system to the users, they might also have a uh, POP3 system on their own ISP. That just make their lives a little bit easier if they can see that as well. So that's how we can easily deploy applications onto the, the front page for the users. We also have a, a people finder solution. So this certainly comes in handy where I work because we've got quite a few people employed. Um, university, you're going to have a, a few thousand. So here I can search for, well, in this case, Marcus. And it's brought back a business card from Marcus. I can see he's online, so I can start to uh, chat with him. I won't do that because I'm actually logged in as Marcus at the moment, and that would be a pretty boring-looking instant messaging chat. But I also get his telephone number, his email address, and in this case, his uh, job title. Um, it's also possible to uh, drop down here and see a few other details, such as uh, his per person record, in other words, details we can extract from the LDAP directory. A typical use, which isn't actually implemented here, is to put in a person's photograph. Because um, certainly in, in work, quite often I have to go to you know, some random location in central London to meet up with a colleague before we actually go to see a customer. So to actually get a photograph of what they look like makes things a little bit easier. So We've had an example of how the users can see what they need as an individual, as in what they need as a team, how they can alter the content here, and how they can search for and work with other, other colleagues. We've also got areas in here where they can actually put their content that they're creating. So one example here is a, a document manager. So here I've got a few documents which Marcus has actually created. And Regardless of who has created it, you'll see the content, a little description of it, and you get to see the author's name. And you get to see that that author is actually online. Now, this will require, uh, at the same time, instant messaging alongside the portal server to deliver that capability. But it's, uh, it's trivial to set up. The uh, document management system here works in conjunction with the office suite that you have installed. So if you've got Microsoft Office installed, it'll use that. And if you've got OpenOffice installed, as you can see, it's actually picked up that I've got Office installed in my, OpenOffice installed in my system. Data, if I try to open one, it'll actually give me a preview of that document. So all that, although I may be in a, you know, a cafe somewhere using a kiosk machine, I may not have an office suite installed. I can still get to see the content if it's in a suitable format. Um, personalization, messaging, documentation. I think that's it for the moment. Any questions? Come cool. Over to Marcus. Sure. How would you bring another object like flash objects and things like that? 
never used the postal service, but I, I'm behind you. I think I've actually done that. Have you? Um, sorry, into the microphone. Um, we have uh, people in our in Staines, the office I come from, who have actually incorporated flash content into uh, portal server applications before. Um, I haven't personally done that. I'm not a developer, but. Uh, if you've got a particular query, we can get the answer for you. So it sort of can be done, but... Oh, yeah. It's, it's a bit outside of the original. Yeah, uh, it's not uh, drag and drop, but you, you can put the content in. It's, it's not a problem as such. There is that. Yeah, we'll to help out with that as well. Um, let's see if I can flick. There is this tool um, called WCM, Web Content Management. And uh, Web Content Management can act also as a repository of files. So you can store Flash movies. Um, well, any file type, any binary type, can be stored in WCM in what they call the component library and then linked to an item of content. Uh, how you want to handle that and whether there are any digital rights, it really depends on, on how complicated a sort of digital um, media processing is. Because it, it, very often it can either fall in quite trivial, just want to get it out, or it can be quite complicated because you might need to stream it, you might need to worry about um, every time somebody accesses it, somebody should be paid a royalty, you know, tracking all that business. Uh, the different versions, it can get very, very complicated. But if it's simply just to store a binary and then make it, make it available to a, a web page, then the tool WCM would, uh, could easily handle that as well. So, and that comes um, as part of uh, Portal 6 as well. So we thought we'd just show you some of the features of Portal 6. There's a lot more in there. Uh, we, some of the improvements over previous versions, uh, usability, particularly with regard to the search center. Now, the search center is a non-federated search. Uh, what we mean by non-federated is that the search system sets up like a crawler to go off looking for different web pages. And it picks the metadata of those web pages and then caches that into its own index. When you ask for it to find something, it will search its local indexes and give you a result based upon your query, looking at the metadata that it contains, providing a search list search hit list. When you click on any one of the results, it will then jump to wherever it found it from the index metadata. So there's some, some, been some quite important improvements in Search Center. Um, first of all, it's faster, which is always a little bit of an issue because it creates, it crawls, and the crawler itself means that you, know, you, you might update something, but it's not yet searchable until the crawler's re-crawled. So that's, that's an important uh, feature. Um, we've also mentioned how the, it's the site, there's a sitemap facility uh, that is uh, a way of searching the, 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 net, um, the portal. Uh, important for programmers is a, a search API to allow you to leverage the search functions of portal in other applications, which means that you can create your own portlets, and within the portlet, you might put a, a search box and that search box isn't now confined to the portlet. It can now link across to the portal search. So you can actually manage the information in two ways. You can either have a private search within the portal using your own proprietary way of doing things, 
or the portlet that you are looking, that you're developing, could present pages, web pages, which are then indexed by the search center, and then within your own portlet, you use the index that was created against your own data. So it's a bit of a source, it's a bit of a circle there. But uh, previously that wasn't possible. But it does mean that you can then configure and manage the search indexer without having to code it yourself in every development you ever, you ever put, uh, put together. So that's um, vastly uh, improved functionality. And uh, you can, of course, search external sites. So you can um, search, uh, send a search request, effectively then um, do an index on returned results from, say, Google and then bring those into your own search indexes. It's probably not a good idea to do um, the, the entire... You're not trying to reproduce Google on your own machines, but uh, you, you can do a subset. And it handles the, the URL handling, which is the thing you click on, much better than previous versions. Well, <clears throat> there is a, a technology preview that's shipped with um, Portal 6 called the Workflow Builder. You can see the idea behind providing these tools is to allow what even Mike was talking about, composite applications to be created. Now, just to uh, remind you what we're talking about, when we talk about a composite application, we mean it's a group of portlets wired together where each portlet itself is handling a particular role or particular function within an application. This particular one could be handling workflow. Another one could be handling data input via a form, simple web form. So if you wanted that web form to be workflowed, and the widget that displays and defines the forms was over here on the left, and you had workflow builder on the right, it would be great if you could plumb them together so the forms you create in one widget can then be workflowed by the other widget. Effectively, that's what... Um, we're trying to achieve is to allow different applications, portlets, to be wired together in such a way that it adds extra value to the end result. Workflow Builder, which is part of the um, uh, business process uh, engine, which has to be installed when you install uh, Portal, is attempting to do just that, allow you to define roles and routing based upon uh, decisions. So that's, uh, that's a, a very interesting um, portlet. We have some other portlets also shipped out the box. Um, the um, mini portlets of mail and calendar are now, we call them mini portlets, but they are basically views on existing information held on a mail server. And there are, they used to be quite crude, to be truthful, and now they are adding their, their sort of second generation. So some of these port, out-the-box portlets, particularly with regards to, to views of information that are held externally to the system, are um, getting to be quite usable now, particularly um, the email uh, portlets. Previously, there was always an issue of uh, providing an email interface to an end user. You could, as an administrator, put the portlet onto a portal page, but then the user had to go in themselves and configure the portlet to point to their own email file, which is a bit, a bit tedious. Um, what can now happen is it can automatically discover the person's email 
based upon their login, which will be held in the LDAP directory, and then plumb itself in automatically to pick up their email, which means administrators do not have to expect or even train their end users to start pointing these portlets at their own individual mail files. So that um, was particularly uh, useful. And, and, of course, it works with, with um, both Domino and non-Domino backends now. And some of the performance has uh, in, have, have, um, been improved as well on these common, what we call, PIM portlets. Now, with regard to uh, Domino integration and Lotus product integration, um, of course, it supports uh, Domino 7, our new portlets, um, the, the notes view portlet, which um, we have a demonstration of, um, supports uh, Domino 7, web services, um, re remote, por remote portlet support, a better user interface. Uh, if you use Domino for mail, there is something called Domino Web Access, commonly called iNotes, but um, uh, it really should be Domino Web Access or DWA. Uh, we have a portlet. So in fact, the one that you just seen, which was for my email, was using uh, DWA within a portlet. So that's a, 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 a real-life example of one. The, um, the Quick Place portlet was a one that you might have also seen with the Open University Quick Place. Now, Quick Place is a, a system that's designed to be a, a self-service team room, effectively. If you have a project or you want to bring together just a few people, a few documents, a calendar that's only related to those few people, of course, one way of doing it is to uh, use email. You could just, every attachment that you ever had that was relevant for the project, you just forward on to every, everybody in the project. Um, but a quick place is a, is a perfect way of creating a web front-ended workplace where lots of files can be dropped can be checked out, there's version control, simple forms, a team calendar, and um, uh, as I say, a very, very easy to use interface. And it's a, the beauty of something like that is self-service. If you belong to multiple team rooms, you need some sort of consolidation across the team rooms so that you can uh, understand or get a navigator to jump to each of them. Well, the portlets that we were showing you earlier d did just that. In fact, let me flip, just flip back and um, should remind you of that. Here we go. This is the top left. This is the, uh, the, the, the index of the team workspaces that I belong to. And this one down here is actually the team workspace itself. Now, one thing we didn't show you is that you can maximize these portlets to take over the full screen as you can see here. And here, this is an example of a quick place where you can create folders, you have tasks as an internal calendar, a library, which is where I can put Microsoft files, uh, Word documents, um, Excel spreadsheets, even PowerPoint presentations or, or Flash movies if you wanted to. It's an, it's an area whereby you can very easily put together the, the things that are common with maybe a proposal or um, you know a... Uh, a, a, a small project, end of year finances, all sorts of things can be done that way. And as you can see, some of the, this functionality uh, in Portal does let you uh, interface with the, with the system in a similar way to Windows. I've now minimized it, which turns it to a, to a bar. 
And the other thing we showed you is the uh, same time contact list, which integrates with, uh, with same time 7.5. Now, one of the interesting features when you're using Portal is that once the same time of instant messaging is, uh, in, is, is attached into the system, you probably saw it appearing everywhere. Loads of portlets started leveraging it. Without same time, they would still work, but you wouldn't get that con contextual um, indication. And so that's one of the sort of, it's a good example of how Portal leverages one facility. You know, you put instant messaging in, and any portlet so programmed to utilize that will then take advantage of that particular facility. And then and that can add value to the portlet itself without the coding happening in the portlet. The next section we wanted to run through with you is uh, application development. Now, uh, we, I have mentioned uh, composite applications. The, the concept, just to refresh our memories on that, is to try to use some of these facilities that Portal gives us in a way that builds new functionality out of existing data and applications by plumbing them together. Um, onto poss possibly new screens. So in this case, we think of the application as a series of portlets, all wired together to perform a particular function. Now, the wiring together of portlets is, um, is part of what the portal does. It basically allows one portlet to do one thing and effectively send little messages to other portlets, which react in different ways. And um, you know, the, the one I just showed you in my browser was indeed an example where the, where the team workspace list will be here and the, this particular portlet will then send a message to this one to open up that team space. I've only got one. But if I had three or four, I'd just click on them here and they would display down the bottom on the bottom left. These are two portlets working interactively together. We do have a, a, another example I might be able to show you, of two portlets working together, where we have um, a, uh, our, our diary system, and uh, it's, shown in, it's a domino application shown in the view. So what this uh, portlet is doing is accessing the, the domino server somewhere in the back end, retrieving the information, displaying it in this view. And if I was to, say, look at a pool car, Well, actually, um, I've already, I've already uh, pre-done this in Blue Peter fashion, as was mentioned before. Uh, by by ch clicking on the checkbox up here, as it were, and then um, it's easy to... Let me just minimise this a second. It's easy to see that the checkbox... By clicking on the checkbox at the top... It, uh, and choosing a particular action, it sent a message to the portlet shown at the bottom to display the content of the item that I was showing at the top. And that's a, that's a, a live example of, our, of one of these old pool cars. This example is a bit more complicated, where there might be three or four, five or six portlets all wired together to do various things. And uh, there are, th therefore, totally new composite applications that can be built without having to go through the rigmarole of designing the application from the ground up and building a monolithic version of the same. 
We've uh, added uh, some new concepts onto this slide. One is uh, something called Portlet Factory. One of the possible issues with adoption of new technologies like this is the learning curve associated with the development environment, Java and Java APIs. So there is a technology which we call Portlet Factory, which is effectively a rapid application or rapid portlet builder. It has its own framework, um, in other words, its own nomenclature and its own widgets to build things. But, but what it actually does, it allows you to define effectively metadata on various things, pull them together in what they call a model, and then the model itself turns into a Java application that it conforms to the standard Java rules of, um, of well, MVC, MVC type application, which is a model view controller. Now, now, the beauty of that is that somebody who, without any Java experience can build an application and somebody with Java experience can then go and tweak that application if it doesn't, doesn't quite do what they wanted. What's not happening is it's not creating a, a, a particular way of doing it that would be alien to a standard Java programmer who did not know how to get behind the scenes and do various things or did know how to create portlets from scratch. And it's an extremely powerful tool. In um, de demonstrations we've had previously, um, we've, got, we've, we've um, demonstrated the building of a portlet that took Lotus Notes NSF data uh, and displayed them into a bespoke portlet um, in about 10 minutes. And then you could easily take the, take the functionality uh, surfaced and turn it into a web service in maybe another 10 minutes. Now, you know, that's, it, it, there's a lot of um, uh, pre previous work to be done for things like that. But that's the sort of speed at which you can generate and then deploy portlets, brand new ones, um, rather than having to go through a you know, Apache, well, sorry, an Eclipse-based framework, write all the Java, get all the APIs, do it, do it manually. The, um, the whole raison d'etre behind these composite applications is, is uh, really to start leveraging um, the principle of SOA, service-oriented architecture, which tries to reuse functionality in different ways. Because bear in mind what, what we've described here are portlets, each of which does a particular thing. And it's supposed to do that particular thing well. But you need an open standards system to be able to pull the data that it, that it presents out in such a way that it can be used somewhere else. Well, SOA is a way of moving information, getting requests between different application portlets to um, allow information to be consolidated, maybe from multiple applications that didn't know anything about each other. Now, if you've ever been involved in trying to write integration software, or maybe maybe interface multiple databases on different platforms into a, into a single composite view, then um, it, it takes a long time. You know, very often you are taking, you're taking data extracts from various systems, putting them into, a, into another system, going through, uh, sorry, going through some sort of cleaning process, deduping process, and then having a bespoke program run across this brand new database, which you do on a batch process. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if you can access the information directly out of the systems 
without having to touch the systems themselves. So as far as the system was concerned, you're just interacting with it in a normal way. But then you bring that d data and then you interact with that data in a different way on the screen. So it's effectively pulling the application logic away from the data sources which actually run the, their applications themselves. It's not just the data source, it's the whole application. So if you had a human resources application but you just needed some of the information out of it, or if you had a customer relationship management system, which is you know, the, the de facto place for the, um, for the customer information, but you wanted to bring them together then you, and always show the most recent customer activity, these are the sorts of things that can be done on this platform. So hopefully you get some of those messages, how that it's a new way of thinking about applications rather than monolithic ways of building them. This is a, a portal provides the platform for that. Uh, as a taster, if you do get Portal 6, get a chance to play with it, there is something called uh, the Template Builder. And this is uh, trying to show you, in a very simple way, the principles behind the, this previous slide. In this particular case, you can uh, wire together multiple portlets. You can maybe use a, a security portlet, a view portlet, a forms portlet, a list portlet, and you wire them, and a wiring portlet, you wire these things together and it ends up being like what we call a, an application. It's actually a template. And if you're familiar with Lotus Notes templates, this is sort of the same sort of pattern really. Inside a Lotus Notes template, you'll put forms and views, security and roles. You save it out as a, as a particular database with a particular extension as a template. And then end users can create new databases or instances of that template and then add their data into it. This is the same paradigm, except now we'll be using portlets instead of components within a particular environment. So if you can think about that particular pattern, you start to see where, where this could be very, very useful. This is just an example of the roles portlet, the way of defining what type of functionality could be done within the, the application. And a brief uh, screenshot of the portlet factory itself, which runs in a rational application developer, rational tools. And um, it is basically a very, very fast way of taking um, programmers who might not be familiar with Java, maybe familiar with another environment, being able to produce fully blown JSR 168 standard portlets very quickly. Now, with uh, Portal Factory, you can actually extend Portal Factory with things, um, uh, with, with special tools, special bolt-ons, effectively classes, to provide this type of executive information, you can see, dashboarding, and uh, a series of extra widgets that go on top of the standard Portal Builder allow you to build um, these dashboards for key performance indicators in portlets, and then, of course, the portlet can be personalized for the user. So different users might get different key performance indicators as a, literally as a series of dials to see whether or not they are performing well or if there are any issues with their, with their key performance indicators. As I mentioned earlier, um, web content management is also part of Portal. And uh, this is a very sophisticated way in which to generate web pages. The... Um, we haven't really got time to talk, talk about this in any great detail, but this is a, a fully blown web content management system. 
to allow users to uh, create items of content, uh, web pages, to workflow them, to archive them, to be uh, emailed when things are, need to be reviewed, to secure information so they can only be seen by certain people, to organize it in, uh, in company-wide or university-wide category taxonomies, to display lists of content that are related to the person's profile. So if you're in the maths department, you see maths-related items. If you're in the HR department, you see HR-related items, etc. All totally integrated in Portal, and this comes uh, out of the box. Integrates with Portal Search, Portal, portal, um, portal Personalization, and things like that. A new interface, many um, vast, many improvements on, on previous versions. We have a concept of um, libraries, which can subdivide uh, content across multiple uh, multiple authoring communities, a better uh, administration, better user interface. And we have a, have a um, facility where you can be looking at the item of content and from looking at it, if you're so authorized, you see an edit button or an edit link on the content itself. So you can edit in place. So you don't have to go to another system to find the item of content to then change it. You can actually invoke the edit process directly from viewing of the item, only if you're suitably authorized, etc. So we have all those ex uh, great features um, in uh, Portal 6. Workplace forms, this is the, uh, uh, an X forms implementation. The, the um, sort of panel on the right shows the bits in Portal, and the, and the forms designer on the left is a standalone uh, designer tool that will move into the rational tool set. But on the right-hand side, it's a way of viewing the forms. Now, what we're talking about here is the sorts of things I'm sure you're all familiar with, filling out of forms, getting them posted, and maybe routing. But the, the, um, one of the key features of this particular widget that goes into Portal is the pixel-perfect rendering of it when it's printed. So instead of um, having one form on the screen and then um, printing it out and it looks totally different, there's a, it's a very special mechanism to get exactly a, the same printout. No. <laughs> yeah, because uh, XForms itself is still a, um, in the process of being ratified. So, so um, it supports XForms, but it's its own extension. Uh, and the other beauty of XForms, of this particular product, is that you have um, digital signature support and you have compliance, that the form is stored with the results. So you know you can always reproduce exactly the form that was filled in down to um, pixel resolution. That's what it looks like when you're, look, when you're reading it from within a portlet as well. That's the form down on the bottom right. Uh, we also have a, a rich client uh, cap capability, which we call uh, Expediter. Uh, based on the same technology you've already seen that Darren started showing you earlier today, which is Hanover or Notes 8, uh, the same type of technology can be uh, used in a portal environment as well. Although in a portal environment, you're not going to get the notes compatibility, you're not going to get email, but it, you're going to get the portlet running capability, of, um, which is basically a rich client version. And lastly, I just have one or two slides just to show you um, the sorts of things that now integrate the personalization. This is just a very quick slide. On the right-hand side, you'll see 
This is the interface that uh, you place portlets on from the administrator. But if you look on the right, they you can now place the portlets or make them visible based upon your profile. So in this particular case, we're only showing something to senior managers. Can you see that? So unless you're a senior manager in your roles in the LDAP, you're not going to see that portlet. So it's not based on security. It's based on role. So that's um, um, uh, a new feature that's been added. Menus will be contextual in the same way that portlets will be. So that adds uh, business value. Much easier to, to maintain. You only see the things that are relevant to you. And LDAP binding allows you to create multiple portals and have each portal um, kicking off to a different LDAP for, for the reasons shown really at the bottom right. The configuration is much easier. I'll go through these slides quite quickly. Um, but configuration is much easier. Previously, there was a bit of an issue. You had to down the portal after you made a configuration change. Now, um, that's, that's not, not necessary. Easier to provide um, 24 by 7 working. And uh, linear scale, much better linear scalability by adding CPUs. It always used to be, used to be an issue. Uh, improved um, scalability and performance. Look how many pages can now be supported. These are portal pages, not portlets, by the way. A uh, special tool to integrate Domino will soon um, come about for those of you wanting to pull uh, a Domino functionality into portal. And for, in regard to open standards, the Java API um, will now be JSR168, which is the, the sort of industry standard portlet APIs. And uh, web services for remote portlets version 2 also fully supported. So you can see moving over to open standards as much as possible. I think I have one more slide. This, is, this last slide is just showing you how, because IBM own WebSphere Portal and WebSphere Application Server, they can improve scalability. What we're just showing here is the previous um, versions of Portal, having one, all the applications of Portlets running in a single portal con Portlet container, whereas, and each, that Portlet container provided by one virtual Java machine. Down here, we have three Java machines running the same page. So you get better scalability, much better fallover. And uh, we expect that to happen even more. So Portal becomes part of application developer, uh, um, web um, application server, uh, more and more as facilities drop down into lower layers. So that's on my last slide. Thank you very much for your attention. And no more demos. Run out of demos. Thank you. Introducing Jeff Lay on the left, who's our um, notes programmer, and Nikki Waters, who's my systems analyst and um, information manager. So, what we're going to do is quite dangerous this session, partly because we have a, a script, which is that. Can you read that? Just about. Just about. I can't, I can't read it hardly at all. We're going to actually show you real things. We're not going to do too much of this PowerPoint stuff, although it's fun. We're actually going to show you some real things that we've done in real time in a real location, which is why it's kind of scary. Do you ever, did you ever do any acting at all or work with dogs or children? So, so neither of this applies to my admirable team. Just occasionally the software and the hardware falls into that category. So without more ado, we're going to go to some real applications. And we, we put into your... Um, brochures, 
some rather nice multicoloured sheets which we use Microsoft pub Publisher to create, which describe some of our applications. And we're, we're going to show you applications from that little suite of, of paper. Each of them has a web link at the bottom on the right. So if you want to follow through these applications when you get back to the comfort of your own home or office, if, if it is comfortable, hopefully it is, um, feel free. And if you want to correspond with us on any of these applications as to how they work in more detail, again, feel free. And if, you, if you're remotely interested in coming and spending a day with us at any time, uh, we'd be more than happy to be your hosts and to go through some of this stuff by arrangement because that's an offer we make in the spirit of uh, inter-university collaboration. Might be a trip to Lancaster. You know, quite mm -hmm. nice, wouldn't it? So we're going to start with, um, I think this is quite well known, despite what um, Lotus keep talking about, these portals and so forth, <clears throat> I don't know what you think, Jeff, but I quite like this. Jeff likes it, he knows to say, yeah, but he does quite like it. And we're going to start by showing you our faculty website and how it's put together, because we, this really embodies lots of the techniques that we've developed over the years. It's also it's embodies one very important technique, <clears throat> which I don't think you can really minimise. We have professional help. We didn't just assume that we could just do this from our own resources. We actually went to some external uh, developers who helped us a lot with lots of the interface here. Having said that, I think, Jeff, you did quite a lot of work on the background, didn't you? Yes, we, um, we built our own databases containing our information. But what we needed help doing was turning that into a live website and presenting it in a way that brought it all together and made it look good. So Jeff's skill was really in building these really very complex back-end databases, which we'll look at in a minute. And my skill as a manager was deciding we wouldn't ask him to do all this as well. We'd make him collaborate with an external company. We call them online solutions. Um, and in fact, they're under the useful links at the bottom left-hand side. So if you wanted to find out more about them, you can do so. We've worked, in fact, with a number of um, external uh, collaborators, um, online solutions, a company called Team Domino, um, Infosys more recently. We're very pleased to be working with them. They're just lovely people to work with and a company called Portal Partnership, who are um, working on another big project for us. So uh, we have spread ourselves around the various suppliers, and uh, each is giving us something different and, and, and valuable in different ways. Here is our faculty website. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody's ever had to design a website for their organisation. Um, the first thing you have to decide is what do you really want. Nobody has a clue. Nobody can tell you what you want. So we started by saying, do you want it to be simple? Or yes, we want it to be simple. What are the main elements? Well, they're programmes of study, research and people. Those, those fell out quite neatly. Alongside that, we decided we want some news. Have we got some news, Nikki? Hopefully we've got some news. Difficult to get people mm -hmm. to give you news, but we have... I like this one. Students rate open university courses very highly in survey, so click on this. And it's the kind of thing you'd expect a website to do. Can you go back to the home page, Nikki? Okay. Now, behind all this, We'll just show you a few witty things. Go to our people if you want to hear, and we'll just have a look at a, a bit of people stuff. Um, it, as, it's, as it's a faculty divided into a number of departments, over here we've put different department levels. Down here we've put some new people. My, how, many, how many people did we have come in this time? Was it about, there's probably about 11 or 12 there. Where's this data coming from, Jeff? This is all coming from our names database, which is a central resource that we built for keeping track of things internally. Um, which is now picked up and combined with all the other information to build pages like this. And because we have a date starting, we can actually automatically put who's new. We didn't type that in. If anybody's had to maintain a thing like this, it's out of date, it's in date, we need to change this. This is automatic. Okay, if you go to the uh, faculty office section, uh, Nikki, please. <coughs> and if you can just find um, me, this is just because of data protection. <laughs> if, if, I sh if I show you me, I've already consented. There's my face, it's a bit like me. Various headings here, which we'll come back to later on, 
come down a little bit and just show you what's happening here. Um, I'm not a researcher, I have to say, but I have a, a hobby and an interest. And one of my main interests... Uh, I've got to be a bit closer to the thing to be seen. Um, one of my main interests is uh, vintage filmmaking. So if we just click on uh, the first item, click for full details, if you will. That's it. Again, you'll see we brought forward some information um, about my uh, work in this area. And in fact, uh, we've also got a link. Nikki, can you just link, link to the research paper link there? That's, that's my, that's my great-grandfather, and that's a film he made. We won't spend too long here, but it's fascinating. Right, if you can close that. Okay, so what we've just done there is what any decent website ought to do. It's got various elements. We're going to go behind the scenes, because if you're developers, you want to see how we did all this, and how, we, incidentally, we made life easy for ourselves. Along the bottom here, we've got four database containers, and these are the ones Jeff just talked about, which we built. Which is the most interesting one, Jeff? Uh, Hard question. Oh. Of those, the most complex is probably Macudata, which is our publications database. We'll come back to that one. <laughs> uh, let's, let's look at the names one first of all and see how that breaks down. Okay. Just talk us through where this information is actually being supplied from, Jeff. The university has a central personnel database uh, called PIMS, Personnel Information Management System. Um, this it, uh, is university-wide, but what we wanted was to add several uh, local items of information reflecting what people do in our faculty, what research <coughs> interests are, and things like that, which aren't in the central database. And to do that, we had to write some special code to go to the central database and grab their information into our database where we add to it. Here, here it is. I've chosen mine again because of data protection reasons. Now, um, Jeff had lots of fun with this, and we kept on saying to Jeff, but can't we include... I would like to add... We, there's some things extra. We, OK. Mm -hmm. And it sort of... I know Jeff feels slightly embarrassed about the interface, but I actually think it's very good. There's a confidential <coughs> section which we'll look at. <laughs> Nothing too secret here. It's very confidential. Now, because, because this is notes, we, we have, in fact, given access to this database to other, other areas of the faculty, departmental offices in particular. But because it's notes, we have the option, if we wish, by role, to fix it so you can't see some of these. Now, in point of fact, Nikki can see them because she's a system admin. So this is information which uh, we collect from the user. Now, if you go to Import and Export and look at the PIMS import... And here's information that we collect and is pumped into the system nightly by the university's HR personnel PIM system. And every night, if that changes, uh, and the, a, a personnel person might change it, or I might change it, there's some information that can be changed, then it'll re-import it. And you see today, it was completed at 0346, and there's an alternative surname, apparently. I don't know about, too much about that. Don't worry about the detail. We'll go to links and resources next, please. And here you'll see, for example, there is a... Uh, a, a link to a personal website. There is a photograph somewhere. There it is, photo asset DB lookup. Just double-click on, on the page and just edit if you want me. Let's just see if we can look at the photographs. Go to the, just, just click on the photograph uh, drop-down. This comes from a separate database, an assets database, into which we put all the photographs of the people that we can collect. So we've got databases talking to databases here. This, this lookup list comes from a separately maintained system. Okay, cancel that. Okay, and just finally, we'll look at the, uh, the identity, if you will. In here, there's information which allows me to hide or suppress the uh, presence or absence of me, currently I'm present, which is good to know. Uh, my staff and student number, which is a unique ID, which is very useful in our system, as you can imagine, because it links things together. And down here, there's some text, which I'm going to ask you to memorise. Have you memorised it? Okay. Now, can you flip back to my page, please? Okay. And it's come, out, it's come out there. Now, actually, this isn't 
This isn't too magic, except that what you realise is we've totally separated the data containers from the view, and in fact there's an agent overnight, we can run it by hand actually if we want to, which takes everything in that homemade container and represents it in this context. Okay, so that's, that's the names database. Let's flip to the um, research one now, if you will. No. Okay, let's go to the research one, MIQ data. If you can locate me again, that would be good. Let's expand. Now, these are the various documents that I've credited myself with as research papers. They're not really research papers, but I'm pretending now. If you go to the first one. This is one of Jeff's uh, works of art. What this collects is information about a document. There's the abstract of the information. There's uh, a cross-reference linking and so forth. If this was part of the RAE, anybody busy with the RAE at the moment? A few hands, possibly. Nightmare for us. If it had been recommended for the RAE, we'd include it in here. That would then let us filter it into a separate list. Publication details, please. That's fine. More information here. Publication, venue, department, reference, keywords, all that kind of stuff. And if you now flip back to my web page again, and you'll see that's the first one. So that's where that's compiled from. But neatly, what the agent does overnight is it compiles the information about me and the information about what I do and what I've done, puts it into one location, and that's the agency behind the scenes. We'll just find one more person just to show something a bit more sophisticated. Go to the computing department, if you will, please, and locate... Um, let's have Daryl in, shall we, be there? Daryl's elected not to have a picture. Might be spotted on the bus or something. Too famous. He's got all these research publications. But also, in context, because he's working on some uh, research projects, he's got a thematic reference here, requirements engineering, and he's also credited with working on some courses. So again, the overnight agents have taken that information from our various discrepant and separate databases. We flip back to the um, workspace so you can see them. And close that. And you can go back to the workspace. Mm. Let's go back. There we go. Um, so he's got, he's got entries in the course one, he's got entries in the data one, he's got entries in the theme one, and it's brought all that together overnight and built the website for us. So all we actually have to do is keep an eye on these four databases and the rest of the site builds itself. Do have a round of applause somewhere on the system? No, I don't think we do. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the structure. Now, has anybody been working on a website with content management? I'd be interested to know if anybody has been working on that. Possibly not. But one of, one of the real devils with any website is keeping it up to date. So we'll show you one more thing. If we, if we look at the, um, the page copy, Nikki, please. Now, this is, this is the container that was built for us by Online Solutions. And if we go to the website homepage, it's a good place to start. New to study will be fine. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're beset with all kinds of stuff here. Um, what you'll see is this is, the, this is the page copy for the beginning page of the website. This is what you see when you open the website. And you see that up here its, its status is published, which is good because we want to see it. You'll see that it's been set up to have two large pages, a, a maths and computing sign and a laptop with somebody putting their feet up. So we just define those. We could change those easily enough. And I want to particularly show you the administration tab. One of the devils of web systems is how do you keep things up to date? How do you make sure that the person who's responsible for it is nagged? Have you checked this lately? And you'll see that we record an email address for a person. And when's it next coming up, Nikki? 1st uh, of November. Okay. So on the 1st of November, an automatic email will come out of our system to that person, lady in fact. She'll be sent to this website by web link, and she'll be asked to check it for content. And if there's an error, can you show us the error report on the main faculty website at the bottom? Okay. 
go to the extreme bottom if you want. There's a report and error link here. If she clicks on that, this is again the bane of many websites. Somebody complains, oh, my, my, my web page is wrong. Uh, which web page are you talking about? We have thousands. This, in fact, will detect the current web page address. It'll, uh, it'll then send us an email, which will in, go in context. It goes into a little uh, database, which we keep up a change log. So we will deal with the question, deal with the issue, sort it out, and the result will be stored, and we'll correspond with the person through that change log system. So we always know exactly who's asked what and how we fix it and when it was fixed and who fixed it and so forth. So I think that's just the briefest canter through the system. Now, there's one more thing I want to show you which will come into um, some of the clever ideas we've had. If you'd like to go again to our people, Nikki, and if you can relocate me again in faculty office, that would be good. And just pick me up. One of the real bugbears, both of uh, Amazon and virtually every other system you can think of that's driven by a database, is this mess. Now, we have professors. Actually, most professors know a huge amount about HTML programming. You've probably come across this. They say things like, why can't you just make your website show something simple? I can't dictate this over the telephone to somebody. <laughs> Quite amusing to see they do that. So I said, yeah, why don't we try and see if we can kill that one? Now, there's a, there's a little link here. It's on every page. It's machine-generated automatically. We click on that one. Instantly, the URL's rewritten up here. Anyone know how that's done? I think I showed some of that one. Any, any ideas from our technical people how it's done at the back? How would you do that? Because somebody would pay you to do it. Lots of money. We'll teach you later on. Anybody know about the notes, name, and address book? You might not know about it. Okay, Nikki, can you flip to the um, notes thing? And can you go to the workspace, please? And in the workspace, can you find the notes address book? You, you know where it is. I don't know where it is. This is your desktop, not mine. Fantastic. No, that's it. Okay, well done. I heard, I heard the word muttered. Yep. Web, Nikki, please. That's it. And expand internet sites, if you will. Bottom one. And expand uh, MCS will be fine. Uh, yes. And uh, let's actually not do that one. Let's, have some, let's go mathematics is a better one. Thank you. Open any of, any of the top ones. Do fine. Okay. <clears throat> We've got an agent, which each time we add a page of that sort, the pages are added automatically by another agent. An agent actually writes a redirection page in the name and address book, and you can see if you open any of them, it doesn't matter which one you open. You can see that when that is the incoming pattern, that is written by the agent, and that is the actual thing to render. So what we've done is a very neat little interaction with the name and address book to give you permalinks. And of course, it's a trivial matter, as Marcus is nodding, um, to actually write that code programmatically into the permalink URL thing. And that's how it's done. We share all these ideas in the spirit of amity. Okay? It'll cost you money to have it, but nobody else. Okay, so that's fine. Sh shut that down, if you will. Any observations about our faculty website before we show you our next groundbreaker? More than happy to uh, take it. Okay, well, we're going to blast on then. Um, just um, this morning, I noticed that there's been a serious hazard arisen on the internet. If you minimise your page, sorry, minimise your computer, maximise mine. Thank you, hang on. Security here. Okay, <clears throat> we had a, a report today that there's a lot of issues about uh, cyber crooks hijacking instant messaging accounts. This is a Lotus Notes page, as you can see, and to save time, I've filled it in, but Nikki's going to spell check it. How would you do that, Nikki? Fantastic. Check spelling. Check spelling. Fantastic. That's fine. Skip. Skip, skip, skippy, skip, 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 skip. Uh, they're all okay. Skip. Skip. 
That's fine. No problem. No, it's fine. Skip all, yeah. I do make mistakes sometimes. Is it going to go public shortly? Okay, skip all. Fine. Uh, fix that. That. Thank you. Replace. Spell check. Right, stop. Now hit the save button. This is going to save it to our database. Now hit the send email button, please. Now hit OK. We'll just leave that to cook for a minute. Just save it once more and close the window. Okay, you can close my computer as well. Okay, let's go back to a web browser on your computer. And let's locate our safe computing website. This is an initiative which we set up about three years ago because we knew that a, uh, a damaged computer is going to be a damaged student and a damaged income, which is particularly worrying to us. Now, we won't go into too much of the site, but it's worth referencing because it's actually meant to be helpful. You can, if you wish, subscribe to this very quickly by typing your email address into that thing at the top. But that's what we're going to look at. Let's look at last 25 bulletins, Nikki, please. It's just that one there, last 25 bulletins towards that's fine, lovely. Ah, oh, astonishing. There is the thing I just put into my notes entry. Okay. Can you now call the, the faculty's website, Nikki, please? Can you click Safe Computing on the left? Scroll down. Okay. That has, so what we've just done is we've actually added that entry to our Safe Computing log. We've sent an email to about 800 people just now, which is why we did want to check it before we sent it. Um, and they've all received that email. Just click on the entry, please. And if you'd like to, there, are, there we are. And scroll down a bit more. In order to achieve, keep it going down, if you will. You see down here, there's actually a Lotus Notes unique ID. And that unique ID is also carried on the email that will have come through, which allows anybody to verify that it's from the same source. No one can make those up in principle. So what we've done is we've integrated a little database with information into an email that's gone out and into a presentation which can, in fact, if you'd like to click on the add the automatic safe computing bulletin link, which is just there. Sorry. That just up. That's it. Up a bit. Up a bit. Okay. If you wanted to put this code into your website, and that's all you would need, it would actually use our J2SP rendering engine, and it would take our RSS feed and put it onto your web page without any further amendment. So that's our safe computing initiative, and that's how we run it. And we are continually, as you see from Nikki's um, RSS feed there, receiving RSS feed and other information about hazards and issues that have arisen. There was one yesterday that arose in relation to the iPod, which it transpires has been sent out with some viruses, Windows viruses, I'm pleased to say, not Macintosh ones. Um, so we sent a message out about that yesterday. So this gives us the ability to correspond with people and to log the fact that it's been done and to mark it up into websites as needed, all in, all in a very quick way to do. Thank you for that one. Okay. I've been working very hard on a new project, again, with external partners. They're called Portal Partnership in this case. Um, and this is uh, something that Nikki's been working on. Just remind me what it's for, Nikki, please. This is a projects and dissertation system. So it's for the final element of our MSc in computing course. Um, and students can send in um, projects um, that the uh, academics in the faculty have to check and approve or reject. And there's a very complex workflow to all of this. Um, after that, the student fills in the topic selection form. So topic selection form goes to one of our special advisors, who's the expert in the faculty. Um, and then feedback gets sent back to the student. 
So as I said, a very complex workflow that's very hard to describe in just a few words. Well, deep, well, uh, but I'll tell you what, let's see what topics we've got. This is a test okay. version, by the way. It's not live, so we can do anything we want. The, the actual system is live, um, but we're currently working on the third phase, but we want to demonstrate, obviously, in the test system. <coughs> so let's see what the topics are offered. And what we're seeing here is we're seeing potential topics. I'm afraid they're terribly dull. We should have had some more witty ones about... Um, Mary Poppins or something. But the idea behind this is that the tutors, uh, the, sorry, the academic staff in the faculty think of what they would like to supervise and they write as, as a workflow for them to put stuff into here, the topics they would like to offer. Just let's look at one particular. And this is all recorded. Now at the moment we're just looking at it in public and in fact if you go to pads.open.ac.uk, it's on the little sheet, okay. you'll actually see the live one and you can look at all the topics that are currently on offer but you can't do anything because obviously you can't register. Um, but what would happen... Uh, to, uh, uh, in a real world, let's go back to the test one again, if you want, is we, the student would be known to the system because he would have registered with us, and we have two sorts of logins in the university. Don't worry about why we have two, but it drove our developer completely scatty trying to understand why we would need two. We've got 186,000 students <coughs> in the university, which is a lot, and Active Directory can only authenticate up to... Um, I don't really actually know what the Active Directory limit is. Might be it's smaller than that, anyway. So we have an Active Directory integration with full-time staff login. Just hit that one, Nikki. Does it work? Hopefully not. If anybody is a Notes developer, they might recognise this. Anybody from the back recognise this? What's the database called, Marcus? Um, Fantastic. It's one of those databases which can only be called that. You can't call it anything else. It's rather frustrating. It's actually hard-coded into the Notes uh, system. So if Nikki puts her username and password, what's actually happening is that this is being passed through to where, Nikki? Where's it being passed to? Sorry? Where's that, where's that just been passed to? Where's the... Your, your, your password, where's it gone from? To, I'll answer the question. Yeah, you've it's actually, <laughs> it's right, too quick. It's actually gone to Active Directory because we've got an LDAP link to our Active Directory. Active Directory is mm -hmm. actually published as LDAP, so that's how we've just done that authentication. Now Nikki's logged in as her. It says, welcome to Nikki Waters and so forth. This is all her information. Okay. If you just log out, and if you go back to student login... This is the miracle of the Open University. If there's, a, if there's a public and professional way to do it, we'll invent something else. This is something we've developed for ourselves. It uses an LDAP system quite separate from Active Directory, but it can handle 186,000 students, which is a plus. What Nikki's now come in is she's come in as, as a student. Mm -hmm. So I've you've authenticated in, yeah, differently. I've come in as a student, and these are all the topics I've uh, submitted, test topics. Um, so we can look at any one of those. Some of them have been rejected and some of them have been approved. If you see just here, approved and rejected. Okay. So, this, so this project is due to finish when? Um, Mid-November. Mid-November. But actually, End of November. phases one and two are in fact live. So we're actually doing the slightly dodgy thing of working on a brand new application whilst people are actually using it, hence the need for, the, uh, for this particular environment. So I think we can come back to that one if anybody has any questions, but that's an example of some of the work that we've been doing. And, of course, none of them look like anything, anything like the others. The joy to us of notes is that it's just a place to do stuff. It is just a very powerful place in which if you can think it, you can probably do it. Uh, and uh, that's what we, we like the thinking. Let's just we'll look at Ajax next. So um, can we go to the faculty's um, homepage? Do you want internet? No, we'll just stay there. It's fine. Um, Let's just let's look at a name roll course. Let's just type something in there. Type, type your name, Nikki, if you like. How many Nikki's have we got? Well, actually, we've got a Nikki and a Nikolai, which is interesting. What happens if you finish it? Type, type all of the word. Okay. So what that's doing is it's doing a reducing search on the Lotus Notes database you saw, which had the names in it. 
And when it finds a match, it either gives you uh, a partial find or it gives you the whole find. This is what's come up for Nikki. Now, if you'd like to backspace that and type Ajax. Okay. There are two people in the faculty who are quite good at Ajax. One is Jeff. Click on Jeff's name. No, sorry, that way. That's it. There's Jeff. It's a rather fine picture, Jeff, actually. Um, and you'll notice that there's various information picked up. Some of this has been picked up from the personnel staff information system. Some of it we put in ourselves. We've put this in ourselves, for example. There's his uh, permalink for his personal web page. But just scroll down on the actual page, if you will. And you'll see we've, uh, there's a bug in Internet Explorer, which we won't talk about. It's embarrassing. I might have just have to move the map that bit. But you can see we put various keywords in against Jeff, and we put keywords in against various people. So if we were to type procurement in that little box instead, pro or procure will do, who does procurement in the faculty? It's Maya. Maya's over there taking pictures, which is nice. Okay, so that's a little use of Ajax. And if we do one more thing, if we go to IT support search for answers over here and just type in the... This is a rude word, sorry. It's Skype. <laughs> type in Skype. Okay. And now this is looking at our knowledge base. Let's find out how we can register and configure my computer to use Skype. Another uh, document in uh, Lotus Notes. The, really, the big plus for us with this is that we can make up these articles in a moment. We can just paste text in. We can create a, a doc link extremely quickly, or we can create a, an HT, HTML um, quick link. Or if we have some uh, pictures to paste in, we can just paste the picture onto the page, and it's just there. So we can create um, help articles exceedingly quickly. Just backspace um, to the previous page, if you would. Thank you. And we'll just do one more thing. Type mail space and space home. Mail, space, and space, home. Okay. So here we go. Uh, uh, we'll try, try it again. So. Yeah, that's it. Mail, space, and space, home. And just rest. Just stop for a minute. Okay. And these are hits against our knowledge base in context, produced instantly uh, by just typing in a few words. Now, uh, Jeff, how long did it take you to write this? Uh, after the training session with Mike, uh, it took perhaps two days to get it working. Which is amazing. And that wasn't even using all the web services stuff, was it? No, it's not. Um, this is using fairly straightforward Ajax, returning uh, a block of HTML, which is actually produced by the Notes server. So on the other end of this, there's the JavaScript that Mike showed you earlier on. On the other end of this is an agent that runs on the server, receives the question, does a search, builds up a page of the results, and sends that back. And the JavaScript then inserts the results that have been received into the yellow frame you can see on the screen. Just, uh, just get a little question mark on the top left, if you will. Mm -hmm. We know that we're an educational institutions, so we want to make sure that people know what we did and how we did it. One or two of our academics are quite interested to know how it's done, so we've given them a little reference in there, and that was an idea I had just to make things have a context. So my concept was to reduce the faculty's intranet into two boxes. You just type any word you wanted and something would happen. Um, that turned out to be a, uh, too simple. So we're, we were going to re-engineer the whole thing into a WebSphere portal, which Marcus and... Uh, uh, Mike are going to help us to develop from Infosys, which I'm looking forward to en enormously, because we can go a long way with this. Next, we're going to look at our document management system. So um, can we start with the GWIS part? Can we go back to the faculty's intranet? Mm -hmm. And let's just pull up our published docs link here, if you will. This is the internet face to our document management system. It's actually published by a very nice old-fashioned, you can't really see from here, but a very nice old-fashioned internet information server, um, which has these links um, uh, associated with it. Now, actually, this, this, this part is actually the notes part. Um, in fact, go, I tell you what, go to the TBT stuff. That's better, I think. Um, that's fine. Go to presentations. Okay, just stop. 
Okay, these are all this is all information available to the faculty. We're not going to actually launch any of these, uh, or we can just launch as far as we can go, but I'm not going to actually launch the application. So just, just click on any link. It doesn't really matter which one. Click. Stop. Okay, we won't go any much further. Uh, yes, say yes. Oh, yep, agree. Just scroll down. Okay, we're not going to go into too much detail. If Don't do this. If we did press the view document, we'd get that document on the screen. If we press request document checkout, it would send an email, in this case to Nikki, saying, I've seen this and I want to modify it. And so she would act as a kind of document manager person for this particular application. But now we're going to look behind the scenes for this. And the application is here. Here we go. This is our document management system, which we started in late 2000, 2001. 2001. The university didn't have any document management systems at that time. We were inventing one. Now we've bought a, co a company, a product called Documentum, which is something you may have heard of. It's the largest document management system in the world. Is, is Jed still here? No. no, he's managing the project. Some 18 months to two years after we decided to have it, we still haven't actually got anything that we can use. Within about three months of having the idea for this, we had this working model. It actually worked. And the code, and unfortunately the colour scheme, dates from 2001. We haven't changed that bit. Now, what we're going to do is to show you a few of the things. What's, what's the best thing for a G? Well, you do this sometimes, don't you, for G Wiz stuff? Do you want to create a new document? Yeah, Nikki's going to create a new document. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> so okay. Just, just put it into a category. That's the first thing. Okay, so bring up the metadata form. So we select a main category. And these are a bit like folders, so you just decide where you want to store the document. So I'll put it into our test area. So test documents. Then give it a file name. And then choose a template. You've got too many. Oh, okay. you've already got one called yeah, Testing Assistant. Yeah, I wanted to show that. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Okay, so I'll give it another name, Testing 3. And then I choose the template. And we have a number of predefined templates to choose from. So I'll just select a word template. And uh, it's a bit more interesting. Four more minutes. And then click on OK. I can give the document a description. So just expanding on the file name. Uh, uh, um, and automatically puts in me as the author. Author's role is optional. Um, I can type something in there if I want to, i.e. committee secretary or whatever suits. I can import a document. Um, so if I wanted to, say somebody sent me a document via email, I could extract it from the email, put it on my desktop, and then just import the document into MacuDoc by putting a little cross in this box. I can... Um, Select another document within MacuDoc, um, so that would be a basis for this new document. And I can select an uh, choose an expiry date. Uh, this is given for one year. What happens when a document expires is it actually goes into an archive view. So I'll just show you that. It will go into this archive view here. And it really literally just reduces the clutter out of the live documents area. Oh. More news. Oh. That's the message I sent out earlier. Do you remember a message I sent out earlier? It's popped up in Nikki's RSS reader. Isn't that clever? I can I add that. some optional comments and I can select a status for this document and I'll just put choose testing for this okay, one. Once Nikki's doing that and she's impressed to create document, we very quickly, because your technical people show you the behind the scenes part of this, this is just to prove that it works. It's bound to work, otherwise we wouldn't show you. But it's going to launch this into Word with a pre-existing... Oh. Ignore that. I think they can... That's fine. Ignore that. Ignore that. This doesn't normally happen. It only happens in demonstrations. What, what, what's what would happen behind the scenes? We won't, we won't 
It was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah. This always happens. Normally speaking, it would make a document and you'd see it. But let's go behind the scenes. Just close that window. Just, uh, so, Can you go to the administration options, please? This is the interesting part. Can you go to the um, profiles? Show us a profile. All this is not happening inside Lotus Notes at all. Lotus Notes is simply a scoreboard, slightly misbehaving at the moment. And what the scoreboard does is it tracks a document on a real underlying file system. If you just open one of those profiles, you'll see. Okay, the file is actually, the profile is here, that's that shown in notes. This is, the, this is the path where it's actually going to be saved. These are the various statuses you could have. If we decide to publish this to the web, it'll be copied to that particular path and it'll put that URL in front of it. Uh, in order that we can actually get it by the web if we want to later on. And down here, we have fields which, which read forward the groups that have been allocated to this particular um, uh, database so that we can actually switch on or switch off visibility to any of these documents by, ch by checking or not checking. And this is at profile level. So when we're designing a profile, we can actually define how a document's going to behave, a document type's going to who can see it. Okay, close that, please, Nikki. Now we'll just look at the uh, templates bit. Okay. Just anyone will do. What we do here is we define a location for the templates, and as you see, it's very old-fashioned and nice and simple. We define who can actually see this at all, and we give it a name. So that's all parameterized behind the scenes. One more parameter to show. Can you show us the parameters list, which is the top one? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. There'll be a brief pause. There we are. Open the parameter called um, root file path. Okay, we hold this as a parameter, so if we decide to move this entire data store to Fred instead of Penelope, or, or Brains, perhaps because it's uh, Lady Penelope, uh, we simply change this parameter and we move the files physically, because that's an admin job, and the database carries on working as if we'd never done it. We actually did do that once, didn't we? And we've got, similar, we've got other parameters for where the web publishing, just to close that one for a minute, look at the web publish one. That's right. That shows where it will go if it's published to the uh, intranet, and... That will be the way the URL... So I pre-parameterized all those. So if we change that to a different server at some point, we just change these root parameters and everything then carries on working. But this is a scoreboard. It, 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 it occupies the same relation to a game of cricket that the scoreboard does. This is not the game. Things like domino.doc are very good, very integrated, very sophisticated, and indeed frightened the life out of me when I looked at it in 2001, and would embed all your documents into a Lotus Notes database. And we knew that at some point somebody would say to us, actually, we prefer to have an old-fashioned filing system. Can we just go to the actual filing system? This is all uh, smoke and mirrors. You'll see, those who are technical will see why. Keep going. Oops. Okay, look, look at the path here. It's nothing more than a hidden share. We apply standard NT access control permissions and access control groups um, to these folders so we can actually make the underlying document visible or invisible in the context of the standard NT um, access control groups that exist in Windows Server. Um, and that's basically what people are writing to. Because it's, it, it is smoke and mirrors, it's not totally um, hidden from the, from the ingenious person, but largely speaking, uh, that doesn't turn out to be an issue. Okay, so that's our document management system. We said we'd finish this session at 10 past four, and it is 10 past four. What else, what, what else do we can show that's interesting? The blogging template. Let's have the blogging template. Let's go to the faculty homepage again. Let's click on the MNC Accommodation Genuine Building. This is an earlier invocation of the Project DX template that's now issued as part of Lotus Notes 7.0.2 written by a man called Steve Castledine. We met him, didn't we? Mm. Okay, nice man. Complicated, but nice. 
Um, and he gave us a day's training on this, and as a result, we put this blog together, which is in fact a blog in connection with our new faculty building that we should be moving into uh, in 2008. Um, is this wood? <laughs> okay. Uh, just let's show the webcam. Just show the webcam. Up, 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 webcam. It's nice to get a fresh breath of the outside. There we are. That's going to be the new maths and computing. That's actually the IT store there, that big hole. It's nice to know. Um, Okay, flip back to the blog again, if you will. Okay, and it's a, it's a very standard blog. If you know anything about blogs, it really is a very standard blog. You've got um, you can categorise things. Um, you can you can put in uh, comments. It drops things into different uh, months and so forth. Um, and the person who's using it had roughly four minutes training to use it. So um, she uses it in a, a Lotus Notes client environment. And we've got every expectation that when we start to look at the revised template that Steve Castledine has had put onto 120. 8 million uh, computers worldwide, I believe, um, we'll start to understand it again. Um, things that were in the first template have been taken out of the new one, and the underlying model, I think, will keep consultants in quite a lot of business. But once the consultants have actually built the raw template for people to use, actually using it is an absolute cinch. So that's something that we've been developing um, as well. Good. Right. I'd expect at this particular moment to be invaded by the rest of the from upstairs, but we can keep going. What else could we show that's interesting? Tutor grading. Oh, tutor grading. Jeff. Jeff spent that. This, this, is, this is a very interesting project, which was Jeff finding it. Um, our, our tutors are all over the country. We've got 186,000 students. The faculty has something like 28,000 students. And what we have to do is keep track of how the tutors actually are working in connection with the students. And we needed some kind of way of, of tracking what was going on. So, Jeff, just explain the basic concept. Forgive me if I get this slightly wrong, because this is one of those rare things that appears to be a finished project for now. Um, that never actually happens, of course, but it's uh, been out of my mind for a while. Um, there is a complex process um, through which uh, the, a, a tutor goes when they're graded for participation in a course. Um, and this has to be managed over the web because many of the tutors are working at home with computers we don't have access to. Um, so we had to create this interface which allowed them to very easily look at um, returned uh, assignments from students and store the, the, the markings for the assignments and whether or not the marks assigned by certain tutors need to be moderated in any way. If one particular tutor marks excessively high or another marks low, we need to have some way to standardise that. And this database is where all that was stored. So there is a way here for each um, person coming into the system to browse uh, the assignments by the course, by the region that, that, that the students are in, and so on. And I have to be careful where I go in here because some of this is live data. Um, different courses are shown. Um, different students' details are there. Um, I won't actually go into any of the records because they do contain private information. Um, but in each of these, um, the, the grades are stored and, as I said, the bias applied to those by moderators who make sure that everything's kept in line. The difficult part of this um, was simplifying it so that people who want to have the minimum possible number of clicks can be kept happy. We had an earlier system that was bolted onto the internal database, um, which required details such as the student's name to be typed in every time uh, an assignment was entered for that student. 
But of course, that data is repeated often. One student does several assignments. So with a lot of analysis, but relatively little programming time, we were able to replace that with lookups that found the appropriate information um, categorized by the student, categorized by the course, the region, presentation, and so on. And now we've found that our staff tutors at home are very happy with this because they can keep track of information that used to take weeks of internal management time in 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes each. It does save an awful lot of work. I think, I think it's true to say that to start with, the tutors weren't that enthusiastic about doing any of this work at all because they didn't like doing it anyway. Um, and I think the reaction ultimately was quite favourable. There was a long process of development um, because they really weren't very happy with the prototype system. But then that's what prototypes are for. It's a classic example of how they changed their mind 14 times mm. in the process. And what's interesting is in-house developers, we're completely free. We don't cost anything. You know, our time is just free, like air. So if you decide that you want to have this happen and then a week later, did we say, oh, no, we didn't mean that. We missed it. How many times do you have to change the entire data model, Joe? Um, over 20. Yes, right. Now, when you do a proper, proper project, which is one of the reasons I'm quite interested in paying external consultants, the taxi meter is running in this quite interesting way. And you tend to find that the, uh, that sharpens up the discussion a bit. Okay. One thing that was very useful with this is that uh, because it's very easy to retarget bits of code you've written in notes, um, although we had to modify the data model underneath, we were able to take chunks we'd already written and move them around to the new model. And um, it meant that when someone said, oh, can you just, which are the words that any programmer dreads to hear, <laughs> most of the time the answer was, yes, you'll have it tomorrow. And they were very happy with that. Okay, in the so end. You, you should have said next week, Jeff, and you've had six days to do nothing. Well, it actually took an hour. It, that's true, that's true. Okay, we said 10 past. I know that the rest of the team um, are, are lost in thought in um, which land are they in? They're probably in the University VLE, University of London world. That's where they're stuck. So I think what I'd like to do is to say that we said we'd show and tell some applications, and thanks for I think that was quite straightforward. They're on the way, that's fine. So um, if you would like just to take a few minutes, you're on stretch as you wish, we'll, we'll have a sort of a plenary session over there where you can ask, where people can ask questions if they want to. Um, our, uh, we're easy to get hold of in the university, as you know. Um, I've been really quite thrilled with the response. I know it's been a small number of people today, but um, actually we've had some very interesting conversations and I think we've discovered things you wouldn't otherwise have discovered. And I know that Adrian Hollister from IBM, who um, uh, had the first idea for this, and Simon Bradford, are really actually very keen that we, we keep some kind of operation of this sort going for next year, perhaps bringing it rather more down to the things that are happening with individual people, just a little bit less of the conceptual... Um, stuff a bit more, the practical stuff, because that was my goal. Do come in, and we'll um, probably go and sit over there, and we can take questions. So there's me, there's going to be Adrian. Here comes Adrian. Hello, Adrian, just me mentioning your name. Do come, do come and join us. We're going to have a platform session. If anybody of our presenters would like to come and join us on the platform um, for the final bow, you know, we'll play that special music. Um, are, these, are, they, are, they, are we live over here? <clears throat> it's like it's like question time. This, come on, come now. Anybody else? Um, just us then. <clears throat> it does, doesn't it? Firing squad. So, um, as I said, I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank Adrian first of all from from IBM because um, it was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah. What gave you the idea, Adrian? I don't know. That was a good thing to do. Excellent. And what do you think, how do you think it's gone, Adrian? I think it's been okay. But then I haven't been stuck in all the sessions, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the feedback's for you guys, I guess. And I'd like to thank uh, Marcus especially, because Marcus um, 
as you see, knows his stuff. In fact, he's not tripped up by uh, technical questions, which I'm pleased to know because we just hired him. <laughs> um, and uh, to have done this with uh, a business partner and with IBM, with us providing the hosting, has, has I think been very effective. And I don't think we're particularly endorsing or not endorsing any particular business partner, but you've seen what you've seen. Um, and I know that to get the sort of things done that I want to have done, I can use my own in-house ingenuity. You've seen Jeff and, and Nikki. And you do need a kickstart, and you do need mentoring and so forth. So I think um, if this is the way you're going to go, then um, you can learn a little bit from the way that we've done it. Has anybody got any observations or questions they'd like to ask to any of us? When's the next event, perhaps, or why didn't we have... Sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, have you had a nice day? It's been very interesting. Yeah. What, what struck you particularly? I'm looking forward to Hanover. Yeah. It looks like uh, some very interesting things have been done to it. Um, there's a Mac line, which I'm happy about personally. Um, it's going to be um, quite an advanced system compared to um, what we've been using so far, which is very powerful, but the front end can be eccentric. Um, now that that's all being brought together, it looks like a much more appealing system, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, th I think um, it's a good observation. I mean, IBM have um, suffered a bit with uh, Domino Notes sort of platform in as much as it was seen as a very close, closely coupled um, proprietary interface. And they've done um, a lot of work, in fact, probably headed by Ambush Goyal, the previous general manager to the one that's, that's currently running Lotus, who wanted to allow Domino to be an open standards platform. So multiple clients could talk to a Domino server and allowed Notes to also be a multiple um, a source of multiple information, which means that Notes itself has to communicate to a lot more things than just its like, native Domino backend. And you can see that uh, there's been a lot of, of a similar type of technology, which you could have thought as a parallel development from the Java site, which is the portal site. So you, you, can, you can imagine what's going through the executives at IBM when, you know, over one side you have a very successful client-server environment that you're trying to add open standards to. And on the other side, you have an open standards environment uh, which doesn't have the user base of the Notes Domino uh, site. And so, you know, there's a lot of work's been done in bringing together all the technologies. And you may have um, heard, the audience may have heard of workplace or collaboration server. If they haven't, it was, um, it's a sort of, uh, a lot of domino-style functionality, specifically in the Java-only environment. But um, that initiative, whilst it's very interesting, it's only, a, it's only a Java sort of environment, doesn't capitalize on already the 125 or 128 million users of Notes. And so with Hanover, you see for the first time the reality of the two environments actually coming together, but pretty seamlessly, because the upgrade between Notes 7 and we'll call it Notes 8, stroke Hanover, um, is going to be just as though you upgraded from version 6 to version 7. So it's a totally normal and, and acceptable migration path. But when you get there, the platform will be capable of doing so much more. And the back-end integration with Domino Next will also be capable of, of being integrated into the portal environment. So, you know, there's still work to be done, to be truthful, but it's a very interesting roadmap. And Portal itself is so 
it has so many um, industry standard features that you know we really believe which is why our, us as a business partner support IBM so much that the strategy they've got um, has flesh to it it's not just a you know an outline and uh, you know we think that the years ahead are going to be very interesting you agree with that Adrian absolutely yeah there we go you've heard it from IBM <laughs> anybody got any other questions or observations they'd like to make we, we are uh, Adrian we, we said we might plan an event of this sort in the future yeah, I think we're looking for feedback, really, to work out if we do this again next year, um, the timing of the event. That seems to be a reasonably difficult thing for us to agree on uh, and find something in common with every university that, you know, there's an appropriate platform. Um, whether this location was good, um, I know we've got quite a big hall here, so we could accommodate a few more people, but it is quite convenient to get here. Um, and I guess the content as well. Um, I've had some feedback that... People want more show and tells, um, so perhaps we could, uh, you know, improve that side of the day, um, and a bit less presentation material and a bit more hands-on. So, um, any other feedback would be good. There are some feedback forms in your useful packs, and uh, we'd be very happy to have them. Um, you're not going to get um, besieged by cold callers for double glazing and stuff, mostly for Lotus Notes, actually, probably. Um, so that'd be very handy if you can leave those on the table as you go out. Uh, Ian uh, and Zoe have gone back to Swindon because they had a, an appointment with some clients, so that's fine. And uh, it's nothing more for me to say that we said we finished at half past four, and it's 25 past four, and I thank you all for coming. And uh, I thank the presenters uh, for doing such a good job. And um, maybe we'll, we'll meet again, or we'll be in touch in somewhere or other. So thank you all very much indeed. Thank you. Okay.